Welcome to Recogs, the show where we learn how the world's best business operators build consumer brands from sourcing to selling. Brought to you by Manufactured. Manufactured is an online platform that helps brands manufacture, finance, and distribute inventory across 20, 20 industries and 25 countries. If you're interested in learning more, check out manufactured.com. Our guest today is Greg Davis, who runs Body Wrappers. Body Wrappers is a four-year-old brand that's committed to producing dance wear of the highest quality, durability, versatility, and value. We discuss how he discovered and got involved with Body Wrappers, which is a great story, measuring the strengths of the brand, expanding to the D2C model for the business because Body Wrappers traditionally was a wholesale business, how he evaluates brands that need a turnaround, financing inventory-based businesses, and much, much, much more. Without further ado, here's Greg. Greg, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hope you guys are well. Doing well, doing well. So Greg, tell us what, what Body Rappers is. So Body Rappers is a 42-year-old uh, dancewear company. Uh, it's one of the legacy dancewear companies um, for little girls and little boys. Uh, you know, our demographic, 7 to 17. We sell mostly right now in uh, North America, and we do sell in accounts worldwide, and uh, mostly sell right now to studios, dance retailers, schools. Um, and again, if you have kids that are in dance, you'll know body rappers. How did you actually get involved with body rappers like a few years ago? Um, and how, how did you kind of like discover the brand from, from your own perspective? You know, like I said, my, my wife Sandra and I were a team. We kind of um, are entrepreneurs. Um, and, you know, we've been doing this a long time, whether it's funding, building companies, turning around. But in, in the case of body rappers, you know, it's one of those things when you've been doing something for a lot of years, like we have, you know, we, you build a good network. Um, this one actually came through my father, actually, who was in the licensing clothing business. And he actually knew the owner. Um, her name was Marie West. She's the original owner. And, she, you know, he just came to us and said, listen, I've got this 40-year-old plus dancewear uh, brand. I think, you know, um, you guys should take a look at it. You know, they're kind of old school and they kind of need an upgrade. Would you take a look at it? So this was kind of how we got the introduction. And this happened actually about a month right before the pandemic. So, um, you know, it's hard enough to do turnarounds um, in business, but, you know, you can never anticipate the pandemic. So we had gotten there uh, right before the pandemic. Um, and that's how we really got the introduction. Was was that from from, from your standpoint, because buy rappers at that at, the, at that point was only like a retail third party brand when you're, you know, selling, um, when you're, and, and having like a great, you know, wholesale business. Um, since this happened like a month before the pandemic, since, um, when, when you all came in, you were interested about, you know, building a D to C build, building like a D to C brand, um, or transition it from a timing perspective. Was that pretty good? I mean, you know, it was interesting because um, we knew that, like I said, whenever you do a turnaround, like I mentioned before, you have to always look at the company, what its strengths and weaknesses are, cut the weaknesses, quickly move to its strengths, reduce the cost. And then, of course, because they didn't even have a direct-to-consumer business, that was our goal to build that very quickly. Um, and with the pandemic, it actually sped up our process, meaning that during the pandemic, if you weren't online, if you weren't hitting your consumer 
you had a real issue. So, um, you know, I wish we would have um, met the company a year before even, so we had a little more time, but it did force us to um, expedite the direct-to-consumer strategy. And so the pandemic really, um, you know, it was weird. It's kind of a, a blessing and a curse, meaning that it was, it was bad because, uh, you know, people got sick and you had to close down, but it also forced you to reevaluate your company very quickly. So in a way, it helped us move the strategy along a lot quicker than um, we wanted to, which in a way is good. So, yeah, so it, it, it kind of forced you to double down on, on, on where, on where you actually, you know, what you actually maybe saw intriguing about, you know, Bob, uh, by rapper originally when you actually came in, um, to do the turnaround when, when you're thinking about, um, since I know you have, you know, a lot of experience, um, on the investment side and as well as, you know, helping brands, what, what to you was attractive about, you know, um, body rappers that, that you actually wanted to kind of get involved with from the beginning? Um, you know, it's funny, I typically wouldn't look at a dancewear company, but when we looked at the company, again, as I said, whenever you have a company that's been around 42 years, they've done something right. And like I said, to build a brand is not easy. So they've already had a base, they already had a loyalty. It was just a matter of tweaking it and really getting to the consumer. And again, when you do wholesale, not as easy. That's why they direct the consumer. But what really, again, attracted us was the fact that it was a 42-year-old brand. It had an audience. So really, then it was easier. Um, it's easier than doing a startup because with a startup, you've got to find that audience. Here, we already had the audience. We just had to tweak it. Um, and again, that's why the direct-to-consumer side was so critical to us. Um, but having a brand, like I said, like this... Um, makes it a lot easier. And also the thing that we also looked at was dancewear companies are not like typical fashion companies, meaning that when you do a fashion company, you have to design something every um, two, three times a year and hope it sells. With dancewear, they kind of had an annuity business, meaning that if you have kids, um, seven to 21, let's just say, and they dance, they're wearing what we call the uniform. It's like shoes, tights, leotards, undergarments. So they buy these things over and over. So it's kind of an annuity business. You have to tweak it every few years. But like I said, the nice thing is this had an annuity business. It had historical numbers that we could actually look at. So it really made it a lot easier. So, you know, what happens is when you have a lot of experience like we do, sometimes you can look under the hood and see things that most people won't. And, you know, that's what being good at, you know, whatever you're, you know, if you're building companies or doing turnarounds, that's what really stands apart. Can you, can you look at a company and really see what's under the hood and see that hidden gem? And that's kind of what we saw with this. That does make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously it's really hard to build a brand, 42 year old brands who already have brand equity there. You also, from, um, from a product standpoint, you didn't have to succumb to like trends that, that, that you do within a fashion brand and kind of always be innovating. You actually, the actual goal is maybe not to innovate. It's just to kind of keep selling like the same products, um, over and over again. Um, uh, since there, as you say, like there is, it, there is actually uniform. So from an inventory standpoint, it's, um, it's, a, a pretty great position to be in. Um, why, you know, it's, it is interesting. We, we've, we, we've talked about, um, you know, I, I was having a conversation with an investor and he was saying how, um, when it comes to building brands, um, he actually thinks that, you know, um, like the DC channel can be like overhyped when it comes to, um, a, a apparel businesses because, um, you know, the CACs that you get, 
Um, really, like there actually maybe isn't as much margin as you think because even though you're taking out the middleman um, on the retail side, you're kind of replacing it with this with these kind of heavy CACs. Facebook, Google, they they kind of become your 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 middleman per se, and you can't get to quite the scale that you can get um, on the retail side. That, that I mean, that you can with with retail. How, oh, with all this being said, like how, how did you think about, you know, direct to consumer and like, you know, since you are, you are, you're, you're not a new brand, you've been around 42 years, but you are a new brand when it comes to direct to consumer. So you do, do have to kind of um, manage that and build that kind of customer base um, online. How are you able to maybe leverage like the retail side of the business in order for that, to kind of re- reduce like those CACs per se? Yeah. I mean, listen, for me, uh, the way you attack a brand is the same. Um, you know, we, like I said, we already lucky. We already had an audience. We already had an email list, even though they weren't doing so, you know, social media really. I mean, they had some social media presence, but nothing major. Um, they had Instagram. Uh, they did have a little bit of Facebook when we got there and they did, they did have a very vibrant, uh, wholesale list. But for me, this already has an audience that was buying it and the direct to the consumer market allowed us now to see, go and find those actual consumers. Um, you know, with today's technology, there's so many opportunities to plug into Facebook, to plug into Amazon, Shopify, and there are so many tactics today to build a community, um, even, you know, doing a lot of pre-sale tactics. But again, having a brand that you already have an audience, listen, is a lot easier than starting a new brand. But the tactics are the same. Um, you want to build a community, you want to engage, you want to listen to that community, uh, and you just want to kind of rinse and repeat and keep building and keep building. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, um, when they're building brands, they just, and anything, they just overcomplicate it. But like I said, give me a choice between having a, a brand that's in place versus starting a brand. It's, it's a no brainer. So why, why was it a turnaround job. I mean, what was what was kind of like the issue that they were having with the brand themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the, um, the there were two owners. Uh, one of the owners was going to be retiring right when we got there, and they kind of just had a status quo kind of thing on the business, meaning that they had a good business, and basically it's running itself. And the uh, one of the owners that was retiring just basically, you know, he just looked at it as, hey, listen, I, I've had my run, you know, let's just keep it status quo. And really, they just weren't investing in the upgrade of technology. They weren't, you know, you know, making investments in direct to the consumer. So they kind of just stayed status quo and the expenses kept, you know, rising and they weren't adapting. So. Uh, the, the revenue was moving down, but the expenses weren't changing. And so they just weren't being flexible to, um, you know, change the expenses and focus on the technologies and new areas of business that they should have been. How, how also did you, when you introduce a new channel, it can get, it, it adds, it can add complexity when it comes to your inventory, right? Did you, and of course, every every brand, every company is resource strained, right? You 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 only have so much money, you know, in the bank, so much money that that you can devote to inventory. How did you think about it from a management perspective? Since you were a retail brand or or are you know a retail brand in terms of what the investment should be in terms of um from like a D two C standpoint. For us, we were lucky. We had um, the company had some good people already in place. Um, that was that that I will say they really had some good people, some experienced people. So we just were able to take some of the people um, and kind of reassign them. Um, you know, we started our, our DTC venture with um, 
with Shopify. Um, and we also were very blessed. We had uh, two people that were kind of involved with us. They had a brand that we were distributing for them and they had had about 10 years experience on social media building their brand. So we actually uh, brought them in to work with us and it's been a, it's just been great because they have such an amazing experience in the dancewear space. So it made our job a lot easier um, that they really understood you know, the inner workings of how to market to direct to consumer. So by, like I said, having a base already, it, it really made it a lot easier. Remember, we already had the products. We already had the base. Now it's just a matter of tweaking it and, you know, taking those products that already sell and now just putting it on another platform. And like I said, with D to C today, if you understand the tactics, you can do um, some very low cost, um, you know, ABC kind of testing, you know, what works, what doesn't, find your audience. And that's what we did. We used Facebook, Google Ads. Um, and what's amazing is, is we still haven't really done any organic content um, and we've had success. So now we need to now take it to the next step and do a lot of organic content because we've done mostly paid advertising. But anyway, to answer your question is, we had already in place um, products. We already had the brand. We already had some people in place. So, you know, our job was just really to kind of be, um, you know, the guides and really just guide people to what we had to do. So we had a lot of the pieces in place where a lot of people that are startups. So we really had an advantage, even though the company, you know, overall was hurting um, as far as their old school business. We definitely had some pieces in place to make it easier. If they were hurting, if the brand was hurting with their old school business, was it the type of thing too? Just thinking about you know managing inventory that you actually maybe take away some of the some some of the um, retail accounts in order to in order to put that inventory to use when it came to like your direct to consumer channel. They definitely had way too many products. They had three thousand SKUs, I think. Uh, I think we narrowed it down uh, to about two hundred and fifty styles. Um, so we basically took. Um, you know, but if you do SKUs, I think it comes out to about, I, we, we reduced it by about 50, 60%. But what we did was we scrubbed the list, kind of the 80, 20 rule in any business. Basically you want to have the 80%, you know, that 20% that makes up the 80%. So what we did was we just looked at it and here's the, here's the one thing that we, this is why when I talk about, if you understand business and you understand turnarounds, if you understand how to really look under the hood, it gives you such an advantage. Here was a company that already had 10, 20 years of historicals of what products sold, okay? So I, we could literally go in there and say, okay, what were the top sellers, what or not? So anything that didn't have sales over this, we're cutting it, okay? So we, were, we really had, like I said, we had an advantage here because like I said, you have a brand, you had an audience, we had historical sales. So we basically were able to just take that and tweak it and that's what we've done. We've now only sell, whether it's wholesale or D2C, now we sell only the products that sell the most. And, and those are easy to identify because we had the numbers. So I can't tell you what kind of an advantage that gives you when you're in, you're in business. Because when you're a startup, you have no idea. You're just, you're throwing darts and you're, you don't know what's gonna, what's gonna stick or not. So, but anyway, yeah. 
Well, no, and what what's also really interesting is we we've seen kind of the playbook for you know maybe some of the more emerging brands brands that have been around for maybe like five seven years um, even shorter, like the, that started off you know direct to consumer um, uh, with that channel, is you you use like D 2 C as kind of like your testing ground of like which products to like um, to actually produce. Um, what people like, what people don't like. And then like the winners, that was, those are the ones you actually get into retail and actually push in retail. And you're kind of like always like kind of like to using D2C to test. So this is quite interesting, obviously very, very different where you have a lot of products, a lot of SKUs and you're trying to slim it down and actually, okay, let's actually just focus on the, on the top sellers. Yeah, I mean, I look at it a little differently. I mean, today the direct to consumer market is so powerful that <laughs> once you have a powerful community, the, what, what it really does for you is the retailers, that's all they do now. They have people looking online to see which brands are hot. So once you've built, then what, the, here's, the, here's the difference. When you have a wholesale business, you're going to wholesalers. You're going with no clout whatsoever. You have a strong D2C brand on Shopify and Amazon. And now the retailers find you. Now you have all the leverage. You want us? Here are the terms. Not the other way around. So for me, I look at it today, DTC is no longer just a testing ground. You're building that community, that strength, and then the retailers will find you um, if you have a brand on those things. They will, they will find you. And like I said, that to me is just an incredible, powerful difference today if you understand the power of the direct, you know, the community and direct-to-consumer. Also, I mean, what is powerful about direct-to-consumer as well is... You can even go to, if you don't have the luxury of, you know, a retailer maybe coming to you, you can maybe go to a retailer and say, hey, like most of our customers are, let's say in like the LA market or, you know, in like Southern California, for example. So you're only then going after, you know, retailers in Southern California it allows you to be a lot more specific in terms of like the region that you are in or, or the territory that you go in. And it makes you, it makes it a much more compelling case in order to get into retail. Cause you know, retail limited shelf space, there's always, of course, you know, barriers there. Right. And so if you can differentiate yourself as well, when it comes to, oh, hey, like our huge customer base is in like this section, this is why we think it would work because, you know, we're, we're really popular or like our brand building has done really, really well in this particular region i mean listen the direct-to-consumer thing if you listen nothing's easy but if you learn the tactics it'll give you such an edge i mean like for me like i've always been willing to do things that others don't like i, I don't know um, a lot of people that run businesses that are willing to get on the phone um, like i do this right now that's one of the things i do with this company i literally don't i get on the phone with my uh, sales manager probably i don't know five ten days a, a month and we call all the owners of all the retailers, um, I'm even doing it now with Shopify um, users. Anybody who orders, I pick up the phone and I actually spend, you know, one day a week or something. And I actually call and speak to the actual people that uh, buy the product and I speak to the retailers. And to me, that's how you really, you, you want to build a brand quick, you get on the phone and when they realize they're speaking to a principal and then you can literally get that feedback in real time. And then if there's any negatives that you can really talk to them, that's huge. And I don't, it's amazing because when I speak to these retailers, they say, wow, you guys are the only company that does this. We really appreciate it. That's awesome. That's awesome. How, how also do you think about like the balance? I know that obviously, you know, you're bullish about it. I'm bullish about it. Um, 
the DC channel, um, even though in, in, in today's market, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are bullish on the DDC channel, but um, a, a lot of people are ex uh, have been excited about it for the past, you know, 10, 12 years or so. But how else do you think about the balance between DDC and wholesale? Because I think one one founder told me, and, I, and this is kind of spot on, like the minority of your, of your sales should be um, um, if your products work in retail, which obviously your products work in retail is retail brand, the minority of your sales will still be DTC. Probably the, 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 minority, the really where you make your money or, 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 or is in those like wholesale channels or retail. How do you think about that balance between D to C versus, versus wholesale or, or for you, do you actually think, or maybe is it current that D to C is actually like your majority channel? I mean, it, it just really depends. I mean, I prefer D to C because, um, like I said, I'll say it again, you know, your community, you can engage, you can get instant feedback there. I think the reason why a lot of people or maybe sort of neutral, but you know why? Because it's hard work. And you know, it's, it's hard work to actually get that brand and get that community. But once you have that community and loyalty, and then once you really start building sales, I mean, then it's just you feeding the fire, rinse and repeat, keep updating the products that they want. Plus also, um, if you manage it right, the margins are still, are still uh, uh, remember, you're, when you're doing DDC, we're starting with 100%. When you're starting with hostel, you're starting at 50%. So it's um, it's a big difference. So even if you if you learn if you know how to manage you know um, the DDC, there isn't any reason why you should make money. Plus, if you build um, you know a five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 million dollar business on DDC, you're going to get a much higher multiple if somebody wants to buy your company than wholesale. But don't get me wrong, wholesale is good. But the way that wholesale that I believe is really good is the way I told you: build the DTC. Build it strong and then let the retailers come to you and then you pick which retailers you think will give you the best presence and give you the terms that you want. Because the worst thing you can do with wholesale is go and do wholesale and not have the right terms. If you go into stores like Walmart or Costco or TJ Maxx, all these big retailers and, and they have the, uh, the cloud over you and it doesn't sell, you're finished. So, you know, and remember that with direct to consumer, even though it takes longer, remember, now you've got that email list, you've got that audience, and it's instant gratification. They pay for that product right there. And so, you know, um, I think that's why a lot of people are kind of, you know, they have a hard time with it because it takes a lot of work. I mean, you know, it takes not, nothing is easy, but if you want to build a DC, it, it really is a lot of grunt work for the first 12 to 24 months. But if you can get that brand on DTC over that next 12 to 24 months, really build that community and really build some, you know, a million, two, $3 million in sales. I mean, uh, it's incredible, but I, I, but I do understand. I mean, listen, you definitely, listen, I have no problem having a good balance, but for me, I really want that. Uh, I really want that community in DTC. I want, I want a strong community of 50, hundred thousand plus people. Yeah, I mean, not that there's any like trade-offs for any of this, right? It's just different sales channels. But um, what I find interesting is like, you know, for D 2 C, you have higher margin. At the same time, you're you're selling, you know, individual uh, parcels. Whereas, you know, with with wholesale, you're selling on pallets, but you're selling a lot lower margin, right? So typically, you know, you might be selling a lot more bulk, and you kind of have that guarantee until, as you say, like if you don't sell though on on um, on shelf, then 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 you're in trouble. 
Um, but whereas in D2C, you know, it's, it, it's, you're, you're selling constantly like individual orders as well. So it's also managing that too. Um, so of course there's like, obviously like a balance here in terms of, you know, when wholesale makes sense, when D2C makes sense. And also too, like, you know, with apparel, I mean, I mean, shoot, but before when you were dealing with all those SKUs, I mean, that's a really hard to like manage from like a wholesale standpoint. Um, I mean, also hard to manage from a DC standpoint, but I would think a little bit easier to manage from a DC standpoint. Uh, because you got to make sure in retail that all those SKUs sell, right? Um, uh, where in DTC, you have a bit more flexibility since it's your own. Uh, uh, well. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, uh, like I said, where we have the advantages is we're not necessarily a fashion company. We've got the similar products. If you're going to be a fashion brand, that's definitely a little bit harder. Um, no doubt. But, um, you know, just answer one of the things on the wholesale. I mean, for me today in the wholesale Listen, wholesale is still good if I call wholesale, you have to be in the real estate business. And what I mean by that is the companies that are really doing well today on wholesale, there are brands and, you know, I deal with them. You know, these are companies that are doing 50, 100, 500, a billion dollars. And what they do is they're buying up brands. They own factory. They're basically in the container business in Asia. They basically own factory space. They manufacture enough product. They own the containers, they own the logistic companies, and then they own the retail space at the Costco's, TJ Maxx, and Walmart. So what they do is they're constantly having to buy brands because what they're doing is they're using the same, same fabrics, so they have the same cost. But then what they do is they go to the retails and say, okay, now it's like Coke and Pepsi. I've got 20, 30 brands. So the companies that have more brands that they want... Those are the wholesale companies that are doing well, and they probably work on 5% margins. But again, if they're doing 100, 2, 3, 400 million dollars, they, the, they get the paper, they get it factored, they get their money. And, you know, listen, if you're making 3 to 5% on 100 million for every 100 million, you're doing okay. But that's, those are the people that are really, um, you know, doing well at wholesale today. And for me, that's why the direct to consumer business is it's leveled the playing field. Anybody can get into it if you're willing to do the work. That's a great, really, really great point. Let's talk about a little bit about finance, um, since, of course, you are also a uh, financier. When does it make sense in your mind to use equity in, in, in terms of to actually grow brands versus when to use debt? Um, we've seen certainly, like in the last few years, large, large, large equity rounds for um, inventory-based businesses. Now that's kind of cooled off a bit, um, just given where we're at in the market. I know that this is not just consumer products that uh, brands that have been affected, it's also been tech, but um, we'd love to kind of hear your perspective when it comes to brand building, how to actually um, allocate that growth and actually use finance. Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, debt financing only works if you can service the debt. Let's, you know, that's, I mean, if you can't service the debt, you have no business doing debt financing. Um, I mean, there's plenty of debt financing. Um, you know, if you're a brand uh, like ours, you know, we always have a lot of inventory. We always hold a few million dollars of inventory. So there are opportunities to get, um, you know, account receivable financing, uh, inventory financing. Um, but like I said, if you can't service the debt, you don't want to, you know, you have no business doing it. So debt only works is if you have really the cash flow to, you know, to pay back, you know, the payments. Um, as far as equity, um, you know, equity always depends on what really the, and again, I'm somebody who also trades the stock market, so I'm very familiar. When the stock market's doing well and the markets are doing well, equity is vastly available. Um, when the markets are not doing well and the overall economy and the world events, then it shrinks. And right now, listen, there's more money than there's ever been, but 
it's all going in the same place. AI, you know, it's um, it's it's hard to find the right equity um, if you're not really in the areas that people want. But here's the thing: if you have a good growth business that's spinning off a lot of cash, there's always opportunities to raise money, and so that's when it really is time. I mean, listen, it's tough. Uh, again. You're not going to do debt if you don't have cash flow. And equity investment, it kind of works both ways. Listen, the best way to do it always is when your business is growing and, you know, you're cash flowing. I mean, you're always going to get the best terms. Um, there are those rare opportunities, but they're far and few between, you know, where you get, you know, that incredible tech company that's losing a lot of money, but it has such great technology. People are just going to jump in. I mean, so, you know, those are far and few between. So... For me, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Um, you know, we've always built companies, um, both public and privately, where in the beginning we've always put in our own money and we've kind of had to, you know, prove it. And then once you get that cash flow, then you can make the next move. But in today's environment, it's, it's uh, not easy. But yeah, listen, the bottom line to answer your question is you've got to have a good growing company that's spinning off cash if you want the the terms that you're looking for. If not, it's going to be difficult. Now, the other thing about DTC that's really good, I know I keep bringing this up. The one thing that's amazing about DTC business today, if you can get a few hundred thousand dollars, half million, a million dollars and start growing that business, there are so many opportunities um, for funding based on analytics. Um, I mean, you have Amazon Capital, you have Shopify, you have companies like Manufacture. I mean, there's so many companies that will take your, um, you know, if you're growing, especially online with those higher margins, there's definitely more uh, funding opportunities today than there's ever been. And like we, you know, like we talk about, you know, um, you know, manufacturers are a perfect example. Um, if you're a company, you know, depending on sizes, um, you know, there's PO funding with the manufacturer, there's factoring, there's the ability to get manufacturing, get design. I mean, that's why I'm high and bullish on DTC because you don't have that with wholesale businesses. Yeah, that makes sense. And also thanks for the shout for uh, on, on the manufacturing side. Um, but yeah, I know that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, how, how, how I like to think about it is like, if you have um, product market fit or some type of, um, or there is like proof of concept that there is demand for your product, then, you know, maybe, um, maybe debt actually makes sense. As you say, that you're able to actually finance and actually pay back that debt. Um, whereas if you don't, that it's, you know, it's, you don't know, for example, if there is demand for your product, it's a new concept or what have you, then you're then, then first of all, like the debt markets are not really going to be available for you. Um, and so really equity is kind of the only way that you have to do it, whether it's um, your own equity or, 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 or whether it's outside um, uh, capital, just also knowing on outside capital, be wary that, hey, like these are also your partners. If they are involved, they're allowed to be involved, you know? Listen, I think in the beginning, you've got, I'm sure I always, I laugh about it. You got to beg, borrow and steal. You get, get your friends, your family, whatever you can do, you've got to, you know, convince them and get that business to a half a million to a million dollars quickly. And, the, and that's why I'm bullish on DTC, because I think the best way to do that with the right margins today is to go through Amazon or Shopify. Um, and like I said, you don't have to spend a ton of money and if you learn the tactics with DTC, you don't even have to have a product. 
You can have pre-sale pages. You know, you can do all this great, um, you know, storytelling and video telling and get, do these pre-sale squeeze pages where, you know, you're giving people the opportunity to get in on a VIP list or a discount. Um, and then, you know, you have, you have products identified, but you're telling the story and getting people to buy in before you even commit to it. And then I always tell people, once you have that thousand, if you have a thousand names, you know, on your email list of people that have either tried or tested your product, now you're ready to launch. Okay. And that to me, you can't do that with wholesale. So if you're willing to put in a little bit of work and do the grunt work, you know, you can do this with DTC. That's why I love how it's leveled the playing field. But don't get me wrong. I'm a believer in both sides. It's just that I, I think that DTC today is, um, like I said, level the playing field. And I think anybody can do it if they learn the tactics. My final question for you, Greg, is what would you value more? $100 of inventory, a buy wrapper's inventory, so that's $100 of cogs, or $100 cash? Well, um, I would take the $100 of inventory because uh, I could take that inventory and definitely turn it into two, three hundred pretty quickly, especially if it's the right inventory. That's, that's perfect. That's lo love to hear it. Uh, Greg, thanks, thanks so much for coming on the pod. Yeah, anytime. Guys are great. And there you have it. It was a pleasure having Greg on. Greg, thank you so much for joining. If you're a brand that's looking for inventory financing, check out Manufactured. We help brands with manufacturing, financing, and also distributing inventory across 20 industries and 25 countries. If you're interested in learning more, check out manufactured.com. Thanks for listening.